So welcome everyone to um, this evening's talk and I'm excited to be here. And uh, it's interesting. Um, what happens is they ask me prior to t the time I actually give the talk, what, what the title is going to be. So I have to sort of uh, use a little premonition to figure out what it is I want to talk about. But it just so happens that because it's a new year, it's the beginning of, of a new year, I thought it would be great to start off with the title of tonight's talk is Here Where One Stands. And it's interesting because I want to say back probably in, I want to say 1986 or so, when I when I went back to school, when I went back to graduate school, and I was studying, I, I came across a little book by Martin Buber. The uh, name of the book is The Way of Man. It used to be green, uh, but I think I wore out my other uh, copy because I read it so many times. And so as it turns out, um, the sixth chapter in this book is Here Where One Stands. And it's a very interesting book because it's a Hasidic book and it's about, talks about the way of man and it's very interesting. I've read it probably 50 times, maybe more. And it, and it talks about a way of, of being. And the thing I love about um, existentialism, and especially the Hasidic way of, of being, is it's all predicated. It's very similar to my own philosophy. My philosophy came out of that when I talk about this idea that as, as, as human beings, as sentient beings, we start off with a with a basic goodness, and so in in the Buddhist tradition, we talk about taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So taking refuge in the Buddha is uh, nothing more than understanding that we have a Buddha nature, and that you know we start off with that, and the, the practice is a way of allowing us to access that that Buddha nature or that that divinity. And so the interesting thing about the way of man, Martin Buber talks about this idea of a divine spark. We all have a divine spark, but it's encrusted in the shell. And that our job is, is to break out of that shell. And the, idea, and the interesting thing about it is that one of the ways we hide out, uh, one of the ways we don't do that is we develop a system of hideouts. A systems are hiding from ourselves, but we can really never hide from ourselves, but that's the intention. And so the whole idea of this practice, the whole idea of, of how do we get to know ourselves, how do we get to break out of that, that divine shell? And he talks about, you know, heart searching or searching our heart and getting clear about who we are and talks about resolution, you know, having resolve. And then he gets to begin with oneself because that's the only place we can begin. Because when I talk about having Buddha nature and having Dharma, the, the, the law or the way out, the teachings, and then the Sangha, the community. And so part of that we have here is, is the community. So in the context of taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, I wanted to talk about uh, the way of man, specifically about here where one stands. And so for me, when I discovered this book, back in 86 or whenever it was when I was in school. So what's that? That's like 35 years ago, 34 years ago. It's quite a way, long time ago, but it's been really powerful because it gave me a roadmap that, that was in alignment with my spiritual path about this idea of developing, understanding I'm coming, I have a masterpiece. So some of us, 
uh, may talk about the masterpiece as Buddha nature, Christ consciousness, a divine spark, Kuan Yin, whatever it is. And so we're beginning from there. And so when we have these conversations, when we get together, the real question is how do we relate to our experience in a way where we're having access to that divinity, where we're actually expressing that divinity. And so I thought here where one stands is really important, especially if you think about the context in which we find ourselves. We we have this coronavirus and we have, we're getting, we must be around 380 or, or so thousand people dead and I don't know, 22 plus million people infected just in the United States, not to mention worldwide. And so some of us, uh, we don't have a choice. We have to be in our homes or we have to be uh, locked down on some level because of, because of the danger of being out and about. And some of us who do go out and about, we have to be safe around that and then we just you know uh in the in the in the world in terms of a week ago when we had the you know the insurrection and there's just a lot of stuff going on out there and the impeachment today there's a lot going on so how does one find one's way how does one really learn how to 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 bring the practice to uh support us in our ability to be here now our ability to show up and so there's this idea, I can tell you my experience when I first found this path and I started studying and I started getting serious about it. I moved into the meditation center. And even before that, I, when I really found meditation, I thought that I had to go to Tibet, Tibet to really practice Buddhism in a way or to really uh, take on the, the Buddhist teachings in a, long, in, a, in a way where I had to go somewhere to do it. And I talked to my teachers. My teachers basically said, "said you know, where you are is a good place to be. And so this whole uh, idea of here where one stands is like taking a stand. It's about understanding that, yes, things are happening. And how do I create the possibility to, number one, embrace the hurt, the pain, everything, and at the same time, uh, generate the hope. And so in this idea of here one where one stands, there's a story about this this guy that has these dreams. He has he has the same dream three times. And the dream tells him to go to a certain city under a certain bridge near a palace, that there's a treasure buried there, and that he's to go there and dig up the treasure. And so he goes there and of course there's a security or somebody uh, guarding the place and at some point the security guard or the the um the watchman says to him, you know, are you looking for somebody? Are you lost? Or what's going on? And he shares with him, well, I had this dream that there was a treasure buried here. So I came here to, to find it. And so uh, the, the guard says, well, you know, I've had that dream many times. And if I were to go and follow my dream and go somewhere where it told me that if I go someplace, there's a treasure buried there. And if I go there, I can dig up the treasure and and I'd find it. And so they had the conversation and it occurred to the, the man that, that made the journey. He realized that all he had to do was go back home and dig up the treasure that was under his heath. And so I wanted to go to Tibet and in actuality, I don't have to go anywhere. I just have to hear where I stand, where I'll make, can I make, I can make a stand here. And it's how I am relating to the, the part of the universe that I got. 
and how can I, you know, as Buber talks about hallowing our interactions, how can I make it holy? How can I be, you know, allow my Buddha nature to express itself wherever I go? Because my friend John Kabat-Zinn, he wrote a book called Wherever You Go, There You Are. And so right now, where we are with this coronavirus, not being able to do the things we used to do, not being able to go out to eat, all of these restrictions or these seeming restrictions actually could be the way to salvation, the way to peace. And so it's really more about uh, be here now and understand that we're right where we're supposed to be. And the question is, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to be? And so this this um, idea, and maybe I'll read uh, exactly what it says, because what's the treasure that we're looking for? And I think some of us call it peace. Some of it call it um, understanding, you know, depending on who you are and, how, and what you determine to be the, per- the treasure, that is, that is it. It's right there, our Buddha nature. We don't have to go find it. It's here. We just have to express it, express it or, or manifest it. So he says, there is something that can only be found in one place. It is a great treasure, which may be called the fulfillment of existence. The place where the treasure can be found is in the place on which one stands. And so this could, we could translate this to a relationship, uh, whether it's intimate or friendship or a work situation, or maybe not living in the, the apartment or house that we want to be in. And if we are going to travel somewhere else or, or look outside of ourselves, instead of looking within, we're not going to find our true essence or our true way of being or, or the fulfillment of existence. And I, and I love the existential viewpoint because they're talking about potential or, or expressing uh, potential. And this idea that I also love about what Martin Buber teaches is this idea that there's, there's, there's no one like me. Everyone has this uniqueness, this, you know, the divine spark. And, and I'm here uh, and I'm here. And the idea is for me to be myself. It's really this authenticity of, of accepting me as I am and then expressing my Buddha nature, my Christ consciousness, my divine spark within my um, interactions with folks. And so I begin where I am and it's a new year and, and I know the way. The Buddha talks about it, talks about do good, avoid evil and purify the mind and heart. And that's what we do. And we have these practices and it always all, come, all, all comes down to be here now and to be able to embrace whatever comes up and to generate the hope. And so that's why I wanted to talk about this. And, and the way that we can do it now is really just to practice. This is an opportunity for me. I, don't, I travel a lot. I'm not traveling as much. So that means being at home and, and me continuing to work is wonderful. I can work online, I actually can have access to more people because some people are on this call tonight that probably wouldn't be on this call if if they had to be there physically. So we can talk to people from all over the world. And it's really more about us having a conversation, not so much about me teaching in the sense of giving the teaching, but just opening up to this possibility that where we are is, is the best place to be right now. And our experience is going to be predicated on how we use our words, thoughts, and deeds, how we use this as an opportunity 
to express our spiritual nature, to express our, to make it holy or to make it divine or, or to realize that everything and everyone we come in contact with, with is an opportunity for us to practice being, being present, being in the moment, listening, open heart, open mind. And that by doing that, we're allowing that divinity to, to operate in the same space that we're in physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So we practice. Why do we practice? We practice because we want to um, get freedom, but we also want to be able to live in love, to live in compassion, to live in joy, to have equanimity in this time of challenging challenges and difficulties. We want to be able to be still and know, but we also want to be able to relate to things in a way where we're we're making um, connections with ourselves and others, and we're supporting ourselves and others. So a lot of folks are, uh, you know, I've had many, uh, several family members pass away in the last year, great friends. I have a lot of people that I know that, that have come down with the coronavirus. I have a really good friend, friend of mine. He has two kids. Or one is a seven-year-old young lady and thirteen-year-old young man, and they both just came down with the virus within the last week. And so there's so the family is hunkered in for fourteen days. The mom and dad are fine, but that's what people are dealing with. They're dealing with these difficulties, and it's interesting. I used to tease my friend. I used to call him Mr. Chips. So what does that mean, Mr. Chips? I don't know if you folks. There's a movie called Goodbye, Mr. Chips. And it's about this guy, Mr. Chippins in, in England, and he was a, a school uh, master or whatever. And um, and so my friend, because of coronavirus, spends most of his day making sure his seven-year-old and his 13-year-old are doing their lessons on Zoom. So how many of how many of us are doing something similar to that? It's probably a lot of us that are that have um families that we have to do that. And so the practice um insight meditation to be to have a mindfulness practice to make it real we have to be able to bring that into everything we do and so we start with the self we begin with the self but we don't end with the self as he said we start to think about how can i straighten myself out how can i if i have conflicts can i have integrity can my word and my action be in alignment can i have right right uh intention intentions of love the opposite of greed, hatred, and delusion. So that could be renunciation, generosity, love and kindness, compassion, goodwill, see people or develop affinity. So even if we don't love people, we have this ability to see that just like me, there's a divine spark there. And how can I relate to that divine spark in a way where I not only uh, express my divine spark, but I give other people the opportunity to shine as well, to shine their light of awareness, to shine the light of love onto the situation and start to be able to listen to each other. Because if we, when we don't, when we make uh, other other, instead of understanding, getting beyond the illusion of separateness, that's, what, that's how we're available to shoot people, to kill people, to be violent, to not to see someone as different than myself as a divine spark and be willing to, you know, rub them out or to cause harm to them. 
So we have to, it, so it's not just about us, it's about how do we do this? How do we heal? And of course, knowing the truth, the truth sets us free, but it's challenging to see the truth. It's challenging to see that we're creating our own hell. If we can see we're creating our own heaven, then we can do something about it. But it starts with self-observation. It starts with this ability to be able to observe experience in a way where we're this quiet, you know, we have this, we, we are observing experience, not just when sitting, but throughout the time, even now, we're observing things from this relaxed receptivity and we're able to see things. And so there's, um, Ajahn Chah talks about it this way. Try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. Then your mind will become still in any surroundings, like a clear forest pool. All kinds of wonderful rare animals will come to drink at the pool, and you will clearly see the nature of all things. You will see many strange and wonderful things come and go, but you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha, Ajahn Chah. And so that's where we stand we we have to be able to understand things and part of it is mindfulness and insight operating from the time that we wake up to the time that we go to sleep so what does that mean that means that insight could be information reason uh direct experience and t- intuition and so we can do that so every situation we have is an opportunity for us to bring love light awareness wisdom and and the ultimate stress reducer is wisdom and so when we want to express love, that's giving that thing or that person our full attention. It's totally being there here and now with them with no, no uh, condition other than uh, having an open heart and an open mind and just really hearing them and seeing them fresh and new. Like Ajahn Chah talks about, to see all kinds of rare, wonderful things come and drink at the pool and that's a metaphor that's in our life. We have things coming and going throughout our day. And can we see them from this place of, of, of equanimity and just see how things arise and fade away? See that things are happening now because the conditions are right for them to happen. And so we start to understand how do I live in peace more? How do I develop my, my compassion and my, how do I keep my heart open? How do I keep my mind open when it closes down? But we have to be aware that it's, it's closing down and we don't have to make ourselves wrong. We just have to pay attention and see, well, what are the conditions in which it closes down and what are the conditions in which we can open it up? And what are the conditions when, when fear arises or frustration or anger? A lot of people have been feeling anger and frustration. And some people, if you don't manage that, you end up, blowing stuff up, beating people up, uh, being um, ir- you know, ir- unreasonable and, and irritable, that these are all signs that are gonna happen. It's part of the human experience, but it's how we relate to it and whether or not we're using our practice to create space between stimulus and response. And in that space, we can remember, you know, the five precepts, you know, or just not to, not to harm or or goodwill, how do we generate goodwill? How do we generate affinity? How do we generate compassion, empathy? And these are the things that we can do and it starts with us and we begin with ourselves, but we don't end with ourselves because we can relate to others just like me, that person wants to be happy. Just like me, that person experiences suffering and pain. Just like me, that person's gonna get old, 
just like me. That person's going to have somebody in their family that dies, gets sick, gets old. And so we do that by just remembering who we are, that we have this Buddha nature. And that our, our job is to do good, avoid evil, and to purify the mind and heart. And what does that mean? Being able to see clearly. Being able to get to a point where we can see not only our suffering, but other folks suffering and how to alleviate or how to abandon suffering or how to find, as, as um, Victor Frankl talks about, suffering ceases to be suffering when we find meaning in the suffering. When we can relate to suffering in a way that gives us more power, that gives us more um, understanding. So seeking to understand uh, how things work, how we work is extremely important. And the best way to do that is to practice it, to learn and practice looking at ourselves, thinking about how we're, we're relating, how we're thinking and how we're behaving and understanding that there's conditions that are causing that to express itself that way or to, for us to experience that, that emotion or, or the, that thought process. And that by knowing it, being aware of it, then by accepting it, then we can do something about it. And the compassionate action is, so that's what right effort is all about. How do, how do I abandon an unwholesome mind state? How do I bring into existence a wholesome mind state like mindfulness, like compassion, like love? And how do I sustain it? And how do I perfect it? And so there's a lot of practice that's going on beyond just sitting and being still. That's very important to give the mind an opportunity to, to collect and to really get it so that our mindfulness is sharp and quick to be able to understand how things arise and pass away. So that's the practice. That's what we're up to. And so we have to be where we are, here where one stands. This is where the treasure is. It's not out there and it's not something that someone else can give us. In psychology, we talk about the locus of control is internal. And so we got to begin with ourselves and not end with ourselves. But then at the same time, wherever we are, wherever we interact with, whatever is before us, can we bring love and compassion, being present for it, being wholehearted with our engagement with people, places, and things. And I'll end with this. One of the things that um, Victor Frankl talks about is certain ways of finding meaning. One is through creating an art or, or doing a deed um, engaging, or I guess it's love, I would call it love, you know, experiencing something or encountering someone. And the third way is, is our stance we take towards unavoidable suffering. And so for me, what's been helpful through my experience in the last 36 plus years is this idea of forgetting myself to find myself, to be in a service, to think about someone else that just maybe pick up the phone and call someone or send someone a, a encouraging email or text message or just seeing how I can show up and be supportive. And so for me, when I go, I can tell you, if I, when I go to CVS, when I go to Whole Foods, they all know me. I go in, how you doing? What's going on? What's happening? I always have a smile for them, even though I got the mask on. And... Even when I stay in hotels, it's a hotel I've been staying in since 2000 in LA. I was just there a couple months ago. Mr. Mumford, how you doing? Great to see you. 
they can't do enough for me. And why? Because for those 20 years, I come in and I give them open heart love. How you doing? I, I see them as a person. I relate to them. And I bring that, you know, as uh, Victor Frank, I mean, as um, my mood talks about what we can do, the angels can't do is we, whatever we do, we can do it with holy content, intent. We can, we can hallow it. We can make it holy. Our intercourse, our interactions with people, we can bring that love, that compassion, that being present, being fully engaged with the person wholeheartedly. And that's transformative for myself and others. And so it's always an opportunity for us to, to do good, to avoid evil, to purify the mind and heart. So I'll end with that and open it up for questions. But once again, it's here where we stand. And let me see if there's something else I want to read here that's really um really speaks to what we're saying um maybe i'll just end with that so there's one other thing so in this process of being still and allowing things to come and go. I want to talk about this idea of wisdom begins in wonder. And the definition of wonder I'd like to share with you is wonder is the unwilling willingness to meet what is utterly strange and what is most familiar. It is the willingness to step back and let things speak to us, a passive receptivity to let the things of the world present themselves in their own terms. And so we have this idea of relating to our experience in a way with this sense of wonder. And we will experience what T.S. Eliot talked about and it's the experience I had when I got out of the detox and I walked home from the detox over 30 something years ago and I saw my house for the first time. He says, we shall not cease from exploration and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. So I'm going to read that again. We shall not cease from exploration or investigation, what we do in this practice. And the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. And so that's possible from each encounter we have during the day. If we can see things with a beginner's mind, with a fresh mind, we can actually discover little things about what's happening to us and see things in fresh and new ways. And so to me, that's how I got to a point after all of these years, I feel more excited and more enthusiastic about life than I have before. And I was having this reflection the other day, somebody mentioned um, middle age and I start reflecting. I said, Hmm, I suppose I'm not middle age anymore unless I'm going to live to be 140. <laughs> so, so we start thinking about stuff like that. And at the same time, all I have is a day at a time and I don't feel like that, I feel like my life is just beginning, and it is. And so I'm not in denial or anything, but all I have is this moment. The only time we live is now. So how we relate to now is gonna determine our experiences. And so I'd like to end with that and end by saying, I love you all and love and blessings. And I'm so happy you're on this call and let's, let's do this thing. Thank you.